Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a very special guest, Pamela Gail Johnson, who has founded the Society of Happy People way back in 1998. And she created the first three globally celebrated happiness holidays and is the author of Practical Happiness, Four Principles to Improve Your Life. She is an award-winning salesperson for American Express and Staples and now helps leaders and teams create happier workplace cultures. Welcome, Gail. Hi, thank you so much for having me I called you Gail as your second name, but it's Pam, right? I go by Pamela or Pamela Gail or whatever anybody calls me. Perfect. perfect. (laughs) Pretty easy. (laughs) You know, I have a special affinity towards happiness because my name is called Laika. And Laika in Swedish means two things. It means happiness and it means lucky. So I asked a Swede, how can one word be two things? And they said, well, if you're happy, you're lucky. And if you're lucky, you're happy. So they are the same thing. (laughs) That is true. That is very true. I like that. Yeah. And and ABBA, the rock group, their first album was called Laika. So it's a pretty famous name. And the concept of, of happiness goes back way back. Well, I mean, I think it does probably since the caveman days. I think there's an innate piece of us that um, is looking for happiness. So I was going to say, though, how did your mother pick your name? I was well, you know, as, as I say, my father's name was Laika, and it, 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 my last name's Laika, and it's an old European name. In fact, when I tried to find family uh, relatives, there are literally hundreds of, of Laikas in, in, Czech, in, in the Czech Republic, where my father emigrated from. There's literally hundreds of them, so it's a very, very common European name. Oh, I love that. So you've got lots of happy relatives. That would be a I, fun family reunion. I, I think so. We'd have to call it the happiness reunion because so many of them would be happy at that time. Exactly. I, I think you've got a, a, a you know a holiday to plan. That's right. Now you recently wrote a book called The Practical Happiness. Tell me about your book. Well, practical happiness is helping people find more what I consider realistic happiness. And it's about mindset initially. Um, The past 22 decades, we've really been inundated with the science of happiness. And I think that, I think that's great because I think it's, it's a marriage with your mindset, uh, the, the science of happiness. But if you're, if you're not looking for more happiness, you're probably not going to find it despite the science of it. Um, and I'll, I'll use an example for myself. <laughs> Scientifically, we know if I go run a mile, 
that I get all those feel-good endorphins running through my body. But because I have such a mindset dislike of running and then my body doesn't like it either so much, um, you know, I don't necessarily find happiness out of that, even though I'm getting, I'm still getting those, those happy feel-good chemicals in my body. My mindset's like, yeah, I don't like the sweat. I don't like the running on my knees. I don't like feeling dirty, like I need a shower. So, you know, it kind of negates it. So your mindset when it comes to happiness, I think, is is so important. And then you use that science to complement it. Well, that's pretty important. And, and I think, as you said, there's a lot of science that have gone on. And people have been studying happiness and, and finding that it is something that's an innate part of people. And so people strive for it because of those endorphins that go on when we achieve it. Exactly. I mean... My definition of happiness is happiness is when we naturally feel good. And so sometimes that means it's just feeling a little bit better than you felt the moment before. Oftentimes when we define happiness, I would say we, we don't realize exactly how big it is. We think about happiness in these, what I kind of consider high vibration kinds of happiness. So that would be like if we're having fun or we're having a big belly laugh and we're just, you know, thinking it's something super hysterical. So or we're joyful. We're in this super state of feeling joyful. So I think, I think sometimes those high vibe types of happiness that we often just link happiness to naturally, uh, we don't always recognize that sometimes happiness, it comes when we're relieved. We're relieved something maybe didn't happen. Like if we ever go, when we go for our medical, our doctor, yearly doctor exams to make sure we're all healthy for the year, everybody's always just a little bit on edge until you get that call from your doctor saying, oh, all your blood work came back normal and you're good. And there's this huge excitement when that happens. You're like, you can exhale. You're, you're relieved that that you're, you know, you're, you're where you're supposed to be. Or sometimes happiness is being content. Like if you kind of look around your life and you don't want to make a lot of changes, that's, that's a beautiful thing. It's, it's an, it's a super exciting thing. Now, as I often say, you may not want your recently graduated from college child being content playing video games in your basement. You may want them to have a little more motivation to, to try to find a job unless they're going to be a video game developer, unless that is their job. But, you, you, you know, content is a still great type, of, great type of happiness. And then, you know, we know gratitude, which is we, we think about a lot. So we have 31 types of happiness. And so, again, sometimes happiness is is really about the moment you had before and what's helping you feel a little bit better this moment and then sometimes, of course, it's about the super, you know, the super high energetic types of happiness, too. That's pretty important. Now, how did you personally become interested in happiness? And why did you write the book? Well, um, 20 plus years ago was like the height of what I call the self-help movement. So, you know, it's the Oprah, Jerry Springer. You had infomercials. Tony Robbins was due on the scene with infomercials. You had uh, Dr. Laura on the radio, which should probably be doing a podcast today, or maybe she does do a podcast today. You just had, it was very self-help focused, the, the culture was. And it was also around the same time with the positive psychology movement research about happiness and, and being more positive uh, started being released and I was actually working in the self-help field at the time. So I was actually teaching empowerment workshops and 
um, I kept thinking, you know, what is the empowerment and what is the purpose of all the self-help that we're doing? And it was so we could be happier. You know, it's ultimately so we could be happier, not so that we could still relive old wounds or emotional things we're trying to heal, but it's so we can actually feel good. And when you're working in that field, it it sort of becomes, um, Carolyn Mace came up with a term called woundology. And she said, we were bonding on our emotional wounds. And I just thought it would be kind of fun to have a tribe of people that were bonding on their happiness and what made them feel good. And, and, you know, all the benefits that go with happiness. Now that wasn't to say that you didn't have these emotional wounds and you didn't feel good. And you you have moments you don't feel good. And I call them happiness zappers. You're, you know, we all deal with happiness zappers. And so that's really where my interest, you know, came. I'm kind of like, well, where are all the happy people? And the question I was asking people then was, are you happier than you admit you are? So are you happier than what you're talking about? Not necessarily are you you know, should you be happier, but are you giving your happiness the same conversation time you give the things that zap your happiness? That makes sense. And, and, you know, the happiness, I think is a spectrum. And as you say, there's 31 different types of happiness, but even in happy people, there's varying degrees of happy. I mean, there's euphoric happy, and then there's happy, happy, which is certainly different for people. Well, exactly. And if you actually go back to some research from Stanford about 20 years ago now, I, I guess I'd have to go to the exact date, but it's probably in that, that range. We, we, have, we all have sort of a happiness genetic set point. And the percent of that sort of, I think, has changed over time. But when the research first came out, it was about 50% of our happiness was based on this genetic set point. So while you and I might and it's also false with the principles of my first book, which is happiness is personal. It's the first principle. You and I can say, Hey, we want to go ride a roller coaster because we both like roller coasters and we can be sitting side by side, but we still had different experiences. We have different happiness set points. We can get off the roller coaster and be both happy. We rode it, but we may still rate it different. The type of happiness for us can be a little bit different because we're two different people, even if we have the same same experience. Um, if you go on a vacation and you say, oh, I just love this place and I want to come back here next year. When you go back the following year, you're going to have a different experience based on multiple factors. So while you may still enjoy it, you may or may not enjoy it to the exact same degree. That's important. You know, here's a difficult question and you might be able to answer it or not. Can people actually choose to be happy or sad? I think it's a combination of things. I think, I think it's easy to say, Oh, let's just choose to be, to be happy. So principle two of my book is happiness adapters are manageable. And we also divide those into five categories. So when you're experiencing what I call unhappiness, which is usually related to some kind of loss or grief, I don't necessarily think that, and that can be anything from the death of a person or a pet, which is the ultimate loss, but it could also be a job change or it could be a health change that you're going through, or you may be in in an estranged situation with a family member or a friend and you're not talking to them for whatever reason. And that's just, you know, makes you a little sad and makes you feel bad and you're dealing with some unhappiness that's beyond your control. Globally, we just all dealt with a pandemic or dealt and or dealing with, I guess, depending on your mindset with it. 
we were dealing with a pandemic that has changed our culture, um, our global culture of how we probably all view germs now. So these things require us to kind of go through a grieving process and you don't necessarily just wake up and go, Oh, I'm just going to be, you know, I'm going to be happy. Like the funeral was yesterday. So today I'm just going to be back to my happy self. There's a process and it goes up and down and it's, it's evolving. And then the other categories, we do have a little more control over, but we all have stress. I don't know anybody who doesn't deal with some kind of stress. Some days it's more, some days it's less depending on what's going on in our life. Something that might stress us today might not stress us tomorrow. So there's just a lot of factors in how we manage stress and how we manage that is really um, dependent, uh, uh, does depend, like create a lot of our happiness. But sometimes I might need to go run to get rid of the stress or go kickboxing or whatever it is I need to do to physically release it. And sometimes I might want to just sit and meditate. And sometimes I might just want to binge watch something to just escape. Like I went to see Top Gun this weekend because I reached this place that I'm like, I just need to escape. And I want to actually go into a movie theater and escape <laughs> because that's how I chose, chose to manage some stuff. Um, so again, how we do that is, is just dependent on the situation and what personally appeals to us and works for us. And then we have chaos. And so chaos are, are situations that are usually temporary. But while you're in the middle, like if you walk in and you got a flood going on in your house, you're probably not just in that situation of like, oh, I'm going to choose to be happy. You have to deal with the chaos. And then you can say, okay, fortunately, no one was hurt. This is going to take a little, it's going to be an annoyance, but we'll get it fixed, blah, blah, blah. Uh, fear, fear is that thing that happens in our head. So anytime we let, and I always like to preface this, if you're in an actual fear situation, let's say your building is on fire, make sure you call the appropriate authorities and get out. I mean, do, do the things for, for realistic fears. If somebody's stalking you or you're emotionally being abused or physically being abused, again, take appropriate action if your fear is, is, is in the real factor. But a lot of our fears are just right here between our head. We just get stuck and we don't, we don't do things on our bucket list. We don't try new things. We don't apply for new jobs. We don't do things that, that might make us happy because we're just afraid we'll fail. We're afraid we'll look silly. So th those are fears. And those aren't things that you can just always say, you know, hey, I'm not going to let this zap my happiness. Sometimes you may need a coach or a therapist or somebody to help you walk, walk through that. And so it can take some, so it can take some time. And then my final one, which is my favorite, and I think we lose a lot of happiness to this. And I do think we have the most control over this and this where, it, where happiness is a choice. That's annoyances. And if we think about it, we'll see people just deplete a whole day on happiness because the coffee barista wasn't as friendly as they thought they should be, or they're upset with traffic because they didn't leave in time, or they're annoyed with their spouse because their spouse just does what their spouse does because they leave their socks on the floor because that's just who they are and they've done it 20 years, but so probably not changing now. But we'll let ourselves lose minutes, hours, days of happiness over things that we won't even remember a week from now, much less a year from now. So my, my word of wisdom on that is if you won't remember it a year from now, let it go now. <laughs> and that is like where we do have a lot of our choices um, over happiness. Like I said, the other ones can, you know, can sometimes take a little longer to manage. And we have, and in the book, we talk about creating a zap map. So we call it a zapper management action plan. And that again, does help you speed up that process of managing that zapper. So you, 
it does make happiness a choice faster. Oh, that's important. And I think those, all those things that you said are important. Now, are there some common uh, or popular misconceptions about happiness? Well, I think that people just think that people who are happy, um, let's say you're a happy Facebook post and maybe you know that person and you know that person's got some other stressors going on or whatever. We have this, this uh, thing that sometimes our happiness if you're happy, you don't have anything chaotic going on in your life. And that's just not true. We're going to have both things going on. And in fact, our happiness is how we manage those happiness zappers. And then how do we broaden that definition of happiness if we want to increase our happiness? So I think the biggest misconception, like I said, is that if you're a happy person, you don't have these other stressors going on. And in fact, studies show happiness and science where they meet studies show that most people who rate themselves as mostly happy and people who rate themselves as mostly unhappy for the most part experience about the same number of happiness zappers and how, you know, the stressors of life and the things that can cause us to be unhappy. The difference is how the person who considers themselves mostly happy. It's how they choose to manage them. That's important. And I guess what would help our listeners is if you could help, tell uh, them how they can manage some of those happiness zappers. Well, when we create our zap map, the first thing we want to do is we just need to identify what that zapper is. Because if we don't identify it, we can't manage it. So let's say you're going to, you know, it's summer, so you're going to be vacationing. You're probably going to see people that you might not normally see in your family or whatever. I'm going to guess there's going to be a button for sure in the, in the group that usually, you know, somebody maybe you don't like your, your uh, sibling spouse or whatever it is because they push your buttons. You know, identify it versus pretending it doesn't exist so that you just know it's there. And then you decide, is it controllable or is it uncontrollable or a bit of both? So if it's controllable, then you'll have a different um, game plan than if it's a bit of both or it's uncontrollable, but you're not going to change somebody's personality. So let's say we don't like our sibling spouse or they push our buttons and we know we're going to be at some family event going on this summer. Um, so we know that's going to happen. So in our head, we have to create our, our management action plan. So can we limit the amount of time we're alone with that person? Can we... Choose not to engage in a conversation that we know is going to push our buttons. Can we, um, can we actually make a list of five things we actually like about them so that when we see them, instead of thinking of what annoys us, we think about what, what we like. And it can be super simple. Maybe they cook something really well. Maybe they're great with their pet. Maybe they raised great kids. We can usually always find something about somebody that we, we like. It might be super small. Maybe we like their haircut. Whatever it is, that way when we see them, we're not just seeing what we don't like about them. So that's just sort of a kind of a you know, random example of what we call a zap map. Now, let's say once you get to the event, this person has learned how to push your buttons in a new way, you may just need to tweak your action plan. So maybe you need to go to the movies or maybe you need to go run or maybe you need to go do your yoga breathing or, you know, maybe you create a signal with your spouse that your spouse needs to come and just give you a hug. So you don't say something that you might regret because when we get a hug, we get those feel good endorphins to kind of offset the, the stress ones. So you, you can create, 
you know, again, you can modify your plan to match the current situation. Yeah, that's huge. And I think those are good advice there for people trying to be happy because happiness is, is something that you, part of it is endogenous, but part of it is the way you work at it. And I, I think those game plans will help you uh, work at it that much more. Yes. And it all starts with acknowledging it uh, too often in fact, I was having a conversation with somebody um, recently, and she didn't really get that, I guess, when she turned 60, it really upset her. And she's about to turn 61. And she was like, you know, I didn't even really get how much that upset me until you and I were talking. And I just started crying with you <laughs> about that. And, and we talked about it. And we gave, kind of came out with a plan. And it's been about a month now. And she's like, you know, I'm out of place. I'm at peace with it now. But, but if we hadn't had that conversation where I said it out loud, I wouldn't have gotten to this, to this place. So a lot of times we try to just ignore our happiness zappers, even if they're silly, they can be completely silly and unrealistic to anybody else but us. But once we acknowledge them, we can then decide how to manage them. If we don't acknowledge them, they have a tendency to manage us like kind of under the surface, like we're really annoyed about X, but we lash out at the traffic but maybe we're annoyed because our child just, you know, we feel like our child's ignoring us because they're a teenager and that's their job description. And we may know that, but we're still missing having morning breakfast with them or, or whatever it is. And it, it may not even be something you can change, but again, once you acknowledge it, then you can choose to manage it. Yeah, that's huge. Pamela, this show is called how to live a fantastic life show. How do you live a fantastic life? probably with those principles of happiness that you were talking about. Well, I, I do for the most part live those four principles. Um, the book came about on our, the society's 20 year anniversary when a reporter asked me, uh, what have you learned about happiness in the past 20 years? And I started thinking, what have I learned? And so I kind of just went back and it got down to these four principles that I pretty much apply to my life. And maybe you can me, maybe you can repeat those principles for people. Okay, well, the first one is happiness is personal, which that also means that like maybe your spouse doesn't like it, maybe your friends don't like it, but it's just something that makes you smile. And you need to, again, acknowledge and own what that is for you so that you kind of got it in your happy toolkit when you need to go pull it out so that you, you can smile. Now, that also does not mean, let's say your spouse likes scary movies and you don't. It doesn't mean you never go see a scary movie with your spouse because you know, that's not your happiness as personal. You go to share with them something that makes them happy and that's giving and love and a whole bunch of other types of happiness that you can experience. But it's also okay to say, hey, I'd rather be at a concert <laughs> and hopefully your spouse will accommodate you on, on those things as well. But happiness is personal. So what is that for you? Um, happiness zappers are manageable, but you, again, to manage them, you have to identify them. Uh, happiness changes as you change. And I do think this is where a lot of times we, we get stuck and I, that will include myself. And probably 20 years ago, I wouldn't have understood this quite as much. Um, but your happiness is going to change the, as you change. Your happiness is personal. is going to change as you change. And some of the changes we embrace and some of the changes we don't like, you know, like we may not like that we can't go run a marathon anymore because um, maybe our knees have given out. So we have to 
you know, settle for walking or, or, or different, different things, but our happiness does, you know, change as, as you change. If you're a parent, you know, that when you have toddlers and whatnot, you're like, Oh yay, I got to go to the bathroom by myself. And that's my happy moment of the day. Um, then when they're teenagers, you're hoping that we'll have a meal with you. <laughs> so your happiness is going to change is that life, life experience changes. And then the fourth one, which is probably my favorite, it's happiness is bigger than you think. And for the most part, short of serious unhappiness, something, you know, like, you know, you're dealing with a disease or a death of somebody or something like that on those exact days. If you're having one of those blue moments, if you just pull our happiness counter, which you can get at SOHP.com slash gift, G-I-F-T, you just go type that in, you can print off our happiness counter. And you say, hey, how many of these did I experience in the last 30 minutes? Or how many of these did I experience in the last three hours? Depends on how ambitious you want to be. Most of the time, you find you've experienced more than you thought you did. And I think that's how you live a fantastic life. Yeah, that's huge. Those are huge pointers there. And I'm glad that you're able to share us with us. Now, we're almost at the end of our time, Pamela. How can people find out more about your society and where can they get a copy of your book? And please re, uh, can you please reiterate the name of your book for people to, to remember it? Well, you should be able to just go to any online retailer and, and I'm not sure if in Canada it's in stores, but I know in the U.S. it's actually in physically in bookstores or they can order it. It's Practical Happiness, Four Principles to Improve Your Life. If you go to our, my website, SOHP.com, it will connect you to some online retailers, independent bookstores, the, you know, the big ones, and you can order it online if you want it shipped. It's in, also in um, ebook and it's also an audio book. I read the audio book. So if you, if you like my voice at all, you'll get to, you'll, you'll get to hear it. So if you go to SOHP.com, there's a link right at the top of the page. Um, where you can, um, you, like I said, get access to the book. Also, if you get the book, if you sign up for the VIP club, we're going to get you worksheets and all the stuff that's in the book. So you can print those out. So you can, again, make those part of your, your happiness uh, destination and journey. And in August, it's Happiness Happens Month. And we're going to be releasing some videos and stuff about the 31 types of happiness to help you identify more happy moments. Well, that's huge. Well, thank you, Pamela, for being here today. And thank you for sharing with us such important information on happiness that I'm sure a lot of people did not have. Well, thank you for having me on. So I, I, I enjoyed our time together. Me too. Now, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to us today. And please be sure to check back off because we have a lot of interesting guests. And also check out my website, Dr. Alton Plyka, D-R-A-L-L-E-N-L-Y-C-K-A, where you can see all the um, podcasts that we have listed. And also, you can find out more resources that we have for you. Bye for now. Have a fantastic day. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Laika's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day.